Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I cannot explain to you the, the honor I feel in being here and sharing with you this morning. A couple of days ago, I, I had a birthday, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, the latter part of July. And one of my requests of the Lord was that he would allow me to engage some new sounds, some new relationships, some apostolic connections that could speak into my life. I'd already planned to be here in Nigeria. I'd already planned, and I'll be going up north uh, this afternoon. But uh, situations went a certain way, and, and Pastor Belante said, I've got a dear friend in Lagos, and I'd never heard the pastor. He had never heard me. And the supernatural presence of the Most High God formed something, and already it's bearing fruit in my heart and in my life. Jesus goes into Samaria, what is politically these days known as the West Bank. Jesus goes to Samaria. He sits upon a well and there's a woman there and she's filled with the spirit of religiosity and she can argue about anything you want to talk about religiously. And Jesus says to her, woman, the hour is coming when people must understand that God is spirit. And if you're going to engage God, if you're going to connect to heaven in any way, you must come to realize that ultimately you are a spiritual being and out of your belly you engage the depths of God. God is spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm concerned at times that I, perhaps you, have stripped our most extraordinary supernatural faith down to moments of reasoning and rationale. And there is truth. My God, there is truth. But the first four words of your Bible are the greatest test of faith for any of us. In the beginning, God, if you and I can somehow or another get to the point that I can acknowledge that because I don't know about you, but when I was a child, that would that would bother my brain but who made God where did God come from so for God to divorce the Red Sea by the power of his breath or to send a bakery down from heaven or or to rupture rocks with water or for Jesus for that matter to walk upon the water that's extraordinary but still doesn't answer the ultimate question to me where did God come from so when I can acknowledge the ultimate question of my faith in the beginning God the beginning of history the beginning of destiny the preeminent preexistent one and too many times because of my blessings I have been anesthetized because of the good things of life especially in the states where we have government programs and I'm grateful for so many of them but if you need money you go to the bank and if you need medical attention you go to a physician and if you need this there's always some government supply or person to meet that need and if I'm not careful I will position myself in a place where seemingly I don't need God. The Lord will never bless me to a point that makes him unnecessary. He is determined to converse, to speak to the innermost parts of my being. We love the words, all things work together for good. 
to them that love God and we cut those verses out and we put them on the wall, perhaps on a refrigerator or on your car or maybe the computer screen at where you work. All things work together for good and they, those words comfort us and, and they encourage us and they cause us to feel sure and confident and bold and insecure in volatile times. But what I fail to realize sometimes is the context of that verse. That passage actually begins by saying there are times you don't know how to pray. You don't know what your needs are. How are you going to ask God for an answer when you don't know what the question is? And he says, but the Holy Spirit is inside you. And the Holy Spirit inside you already discerns what the answer and the blessing is that God the Father has for you. The Spirit of God inside me knows the will of the Father for me. And so when I get to the point of engaging God through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says in Romans, you begin to pray in a language that doesn't make sense to your mind, to your understanding. You would not understand me if I begin praying in tongues because I'm not conversing with you. I'm not dialoguing with you. It's actually a divine dialogue between the Holy Spirit of heaven inside me and the Father above. So that the Bible says, when I begin to pray unto the Lord through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit with moanings and groanings that are so far beyond rationale and reasoning and understanding and logic, then all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I finally, at the age of 57, have come to realize ultimately the assignment of my life. When I come to places like this, I got to tell you, Pastor, I'm blown away by, by the demographic in this room, by the youth of this group. The young people in this space, my, this is incredible. This is extraordinary to see so many people perhaps under the age of 40, under the age of 30, young people. I was looking at some stats the other day. I remember... 30-some years ago, I was writing my doctoral dissertation. It was uh, on baby boomers, which means nothing to you because you weren't even born when I wrote my dissertation. But the average age of a Presbyterian member was 62, I believe. Now, I want 62-year-old people in my church, but I don't want the average age to be 62 or I'm in trouble. We are not called to be the church of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, but the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And continuously our numbers should reflect that. And, and so my wife was sharing with me some statistics a week or two ago from the Pew Foundation, I believe it was. And it's still about 62 is the average age of a Presbyterian. 57 is about the average age of, of a Methodist. And she went on down and started looking at this one and this one. And the atheist was in the 30s and a Muslim was in the 30s. And the Pentecostal, those people that believe you can experience the presence and the power of God every morning that you wake. That you believe you can dialogue with God through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Those people that believe that Jesus still heals sick bodies and delivers those who are held in every kind of bondage. Pentecostals, the average age is 25. The greatest force 
in the earth today, the power of the Holy Spirit is being loosed not just from gender of male and female, but those in covenant relationship for Joel said it, Peter repeated that your sons and daughters, not just gender, not just a demographic stat, but he says these are covenant relationships that sons and daughters are going to move and flow in a revelation like the apostle Peter would say, I perceive that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, nobody could have told you this but my father who is in heaven. I declare in the name of Jesus that in this house, this morning, there is a generation of young people, young men, young women, sons and and daughters covenant relationships and heaven has been poured into your spirit and, and pastors have poured themselves their lives they have poured the oil of anointing upon you I declare his spirit is in your heart your, his words are in your mouth his angels are by your side your steps are ordered and oily by the Holy Spirit and God shall give you everything you need to be obedient in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. My calling. I preach, but not so good. I play the piano every now and then. Eh. I sing some when my voice is cracking. It's getting like, eh. So my calling primarily, I have finally discovered, is not preaching, is not music. My calling is to step into a space and to navigate the glory. That's who I am. And I'm very comfortable with that. So if I walk into a space and they introduce me. And I step up behind the podium. And I just stand there. And the glory of the Lord falls. And people begin falling on their faces and crying out to God and saying, Lord, save me or Lord, change me or God, heal me or deliver me and I never preach a word. That's cool, baby. I don't have a problem with that. If someone says, I don't need to hear you play or sing, I don't care about that either. I just want to be in that space where God is moving and speaking and touching people's lives. That's all I care about. God has moods and I am called to step into a space and to discern what is your mood today? Do you want a raucous applause and a sound of warriors going into battle to declare the greatness of God and the finished work of Christ? Is that what you're wanting today? Are you listening for a breathy sound from the whisper place within us? I'm called to step into a space and to navigate and find out because if I bring him a raucous applause but he was listening for a whisper, I can miss something. If I come in and I think, okay, I'm going to talk about deliverance and yet God says, I want to call you over here for healing. What I'm saying is a good thing but not the God thing. And so it is it's so important for me to navigate to discern what is that word that God is speaking to this place and this, to navigate the glory, the glory, the glory of the Most High God. In the Old Testament, the glory was so heavy that people could not even stand their being, the constitution of the humanness, the totality of their flesh could not even stand 
in the intensity of the glory of the Lord and it caused them to collapse to the floor. The glory. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the word glory is about the Shekinah and the brilliance of God that would blind Saul. He would send over someone to pray that both of their eyes could be opened. And Ananias, who is also blinded himself, and the Lord said, you go over there and pray for him and both of you are going to get your sight. The glory of the Lord. What is, what is the glory? The glory of God is the manifest presence. You see, your God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Say, my God is everywhere. Your Bible says the psalmist asks a rhetorical question. He said, where can I go to get away from the presence of God? He even said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. I got a witness this morning. I've made my bed in hell sometimes. I've been in crisis situations so dark it seems like that the middle of the night just saturates every molecular part of my being. But I've come to be a witness like Jacob that if I learn how to put my head on a hard thing in a dark space and I open my spirit, God will open his heavens and pour revelation and allow the angels of heaven to ascend and to descend in that hardened, darkened place so that it becomes for me the house of God. The psalmist asks, where do I go? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. So God is everywhere. God was there when he created the stars by his word. And the scriptures say in Colossians that it's his word that still that causes the systems to consist not only exist but consist they they remain in their place and in their assigned position so god is everywhere but when the everywhere god chooses to reveal himself in a specific place and time for the sake of engaging my life wherever the everywhere god shows up that's the glory the glory of God is that place and time and space where the omnipresent God manifests himself for the sake of redemption. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory. We will never experience the glory of God until the word is manifest in somebody. When you came into this house this morning, I hope and believe that you brought a word with you. I trust that no one had to prime or work a sound out of you. I choose to believe you already had a praise inside of you. But you can know this, when the glory of the Lord is loosed in this house... When you come into this place weighted down by the cares of life, difficulties, stresses, debt, 
Poverty seeks to come against you and to discourage you generationally. When sickness and disease tries to make a claim upon you illegitimately and you come into this place and the glory of the Lord moves in your life and eradicates and removes that lying spirit from you, you can be sure you may or may not have brought a word with you, but somebody paid a price Somebody got here early. Somebody got on their face before God so you could see the throne. Somebody was able to get into the word to such a dimension that the word became flesh and dwelt somewhere in this space that the glory of God might be manifest to touch someone's life. Say culture of the throne. Culture of the throne. Around the throne of God is a culture. I'm from the United States. We have cultures. We have tastes, preferences, priorities, goals, a national psyche, a history, an experience. Good, bad, whatever it is, but that's our culture. I come to Nigeria and there are radically different elements of culture, similarities and differences. Some of the foods, some of the styles of clothing, some of your values, your priorities might be very different and contrary to the culture from which I'm coming this morning. There is a culture, a value, an essence around the throne of God. There is no little lack or loss in the culture of the throne. God does not heal in heaven. Everyone lives whole. I'm believing that this house is moving so deeply in the presence and power of God that you don't come here to be healed, but you walk whole. You don't come to be delivered, but you walk in dominion. You don't come to receive a blessing, but you live, breathe, and have your being in the shalom of God. Around the throne, there is no sickness, no disease, no calamity, no brokenness, no dissension, no contention, no lying thing, no death in slow motion is found around the throne. God caused from his throne a river. And in the river of life, he planted the garden. And it was a direct reflection of the culture of the throne with no sickness or disease, calamity, brokenness, dissension. The garden looked exactly like the throne. When we rebelled against God and when we were expelled, the Lord replaced the garden with the altar. And whatever God intended for us to have in the garden was now replaced for Cain and Abel at the altar. They could engage the glory of the Lord at the altar the way their parents had engaged the glory in the garden. This is what it means to me. This is what it means to you. That when you and I come to the altar and I say unto my God, I need you in my life. I want you to live, breathe, and have your being inside of me. And when God says yes and he comes to dwell inside me, God never leaves any part of himself in heaven to dwell in me. If he is omnipotent, 
if he can do all things in heaven, then he can do all things through me. Thus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he brought that power to dwell. When he left his heaven to dwell inside of me, he is all sufficient. He lacks nothing. He said, if I had a need, I would not ask of you. So when he comes and dwells within me, he does not become a needy God. Thus, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So whoever he is around the throne is who he is in my life. What I'm trying so feebly to say to you this morning is eternal life does not begin the moment I breathe my last breath on earth. Eternal life begins the moment God breathes his first breath inside me. Does that make sense? I said eternal life does not begin when my body collapses. No, eternal life begins the moment heaven breathes forever inside every part of my being and he looses within me the culture of the throne. So worship in this place, why is it? You can come to high life and when people are engaging the glory and clapping their hands or lifting their hands or standing or kneeling or perhaps even lying upon the floor, however it is God speaks to you, why is it? That there's something dynamic and electric and empowering inside you. And last week you had to visit another church with a family member and there was nothing there. You did not feel the presence of God. You did not sense his glory in that place. Eternal life inside you. Worship is when the eternity inside me connects to the eternal life above me. Worship is when the eternity inside me connects to the eternity above me. And as I'm delving into that throne room of the Most High God, by faith, I refuse to leave anything on the cross. Is there forgiveness on the cross? Yes. Is there healing on the cross? Yes. Too many times I rush in and I say, forgive me. And then I crawl back down the cross and I leave all of the other blessings that God has for me. But I've come this morning to say to you that I am determined that the eternal life inside of me and in this house, this gathering of worshipers that we choose to allow the eternal life inside of us already to reach into the eternal life above us and to declare you worthy and you are great and you are extraordinary and there is none like you in all the earth and we bring unto him a prophetic praise because a prophetic praise is simply repeating back to God what God has already said about himself. He says, is anything too difficult for me? Thus I say, nothing is too difficult for you. When he says, I am able to do exceeding abundantly above. I say, you are able. So I am prophesying back to God what is already said about himself. And as I engage him, it causes this something inside of me to rise up. I sound 
make a sound. You heard it a while ago, songs. Songs can be, I've been to churches where there's songs, but they're not part of the sound. What I'm referring to when I'm talking about the sound is when you are so connected to the presence and the manifest glory of God, sound is a vibration emanating from the authority of his sovereignty upon the throne. God is ruling unquestionably. God is reigning sovereignly. The earth is his footstool. Every lying spirit must bow before his sovereign feet. Jesus conquered hell forever. Christ has won the victory. And so because he sits upon the throne and around him is this culture of dominion and sovereignty and blessing. My worship and faith reaches and brings that to this place. But what he's waiting for is a sound. And when the sound of God comes into a space, I am called to echo on earth the sound around the throne. To where no angel is intended to make my sound. You are never required to make my sound. In our own church people will visit sometimes and they wonder. Why are you so loud? Why are you so boisterous? Why do you clap your hands? Why do you tell all the people? It's because sound is everything. Sound is tapping into the authority. Sound is a vibration that shakes off the powers of the enemy. I dare to believe. I dare it. That some junkie, some drug addict walking down the street three blocks away may have never heard of you or High Life Church. But you lift your hands and you give God the glory from the deepest parts of your being. And eternity inside you connects to eternity above you. And it releases a vibration that shakes the very gates of hell. That a drug addict can be delivered three blocks away and doesn't even know that a church is behind this wall. I declare in Jesus name that high life is not a monopoly for the people in this room. But it is the force force and power that exudes by the sound you emit from a soul that's grateful to God. They tell me there's all kinds of ways of differentiating oneself from another. Your hair has its own. Your eyes, the iris in your eyes is different than anybody else's. Fingerprint, palm print, footprint, DNA. But they say as well, that the tone of your voice has this specificity, has this exactness that the person beside you could never make the sound you're making. Even if you have twins and they look alike and no one can tell them apart, heaven will never confuse the sound of one believer with another believer. And so when we gather in this place, I'm grateful for your sound. And I believe it helps to dig wells for others to drink from. And I'm grateful. But there is no substitute for the sound that God has assigned to your living. I'm asking you now, if the doctor told you today that the cancer is gone for good forever, what does that miracle sound like? If the banker 
or someone with money was to say to you, your house is paid for. Or someone to say to you, your child who was failing in school, now their marks are rising and something has happened to them. And intellectually they have become this brilliant, what does that miracle sound like? I believe God is calling for us to begin making a finish line praise. That if I will prophesy it today, I can testify it tomorrow. Too many times I'm wanting God to randomly bring a blessing into my life. But what God is listening for, I am to make a sound. Listen, make a sound that is completely inconsistent with my situation. I am to make a sound that does not look like what I'm going through, the crisis, the dilemma, the torment, the anguish, the contention, my circumstances. I don't make that sound. Instead, I seed a sound in the middle of a calamity and believe that yet again God shall plant a garden of blessing in that place. Kathy, my sister, people used to say, we looked like twins, except she was pretty. <laughs> I adored her. She was diagnosed with colon cancer in her 40s. And she had thousands of people praying for her. And they meant well. Do you know people can pray you into death? They can comfort you into the grave. They can come to you. And I would say to her, baby, you're going to heaven, but not now. I'm not called to comfort you in affliction, but to confront that affliction in Jesus' name. And so I would visit her time and again. I would take her to the hospitals and the clinics in Zion, Illinois. Never will forget one night, late at night, if my phone would ring, especially in the night, and her number would come up. Pastor, I wouldn't say, hey, baby, how you feeling? Never do that. I'd pick it up and say, let's pray. And I would begin praying and praying and praying praying you have people in your life right now who are struggling who are suffering and they are surrounded like Jairus house they are surrounded by people who are making a sound consistent with a dead thing and God has called you to step into a dead situation and make a sound that's completely contrary to the funeral home so one night she called after midnight I spend Saturday night every Saturday night in the church and the phone came up, and I said, let's pray, baby. And I said, God in your body, God in your mind, God in your spirit, God in your cells, God in your bones, God in your muscles, God in your organs. And I said it again. God in your body, God in your mind, God in your spirit, God in your cells, God in your bones. God in your muscles, God in your organs, God. And I said, Kathy, start saying it with me. God in my body, God in my mind, God in my spirit, God in my cells, God in my bones, God in my muscles, God in my organs, God. Little did I know, not long after that, I went to the doctor because I was having some breathing challenges. They did an MRI and they were checking my lungs but it went down lower than they expected and they said, you have kidney cancer, renal cell carcinoma. You need to have surgery. Now, the radiation would burn the kidneys and the chemo would be flushed out. 
so you need surgery. This was about Thanksgiving for us, November. And I said, I, I, I can't do it right now. I've got December with Christmas and all the stuff going on. I, I, I just can't do this right now. So the first week in January, we went to the, the ocean, went to the beach, my family, and my son and I walked out, and I prayed about it. And I said, all right, I'll have the surgery. Went back home, went to the hospital early morning. My wife was driving that morning, and I was thinking about the words that I kept saying to Kathy. And a melody started coming to me, God in my body, God in my mind, God in my soul. And I started singing it to myself. Got to the hospital. They put me in a room, hook up the IVs. And then comes that horrible moment when your family's got to leave, you know. You're in there by yourself. And this nurse comes. She's so sweet. African-American lady. She gets ready to wheel me down. And she says to me, my name is Hope. And I'm going to take care of you today. She was wheeling me and I put my arm up against the wall and grabbed the rail. And I said, whoa, what? Now you have to understand, I believe hope is the most beautiful word in all the human language. We had a little girl and a little boy twins who went on to be with God, but we named her Hope. I have a daughter now who rules and reigns in my life. <laughs> 26 years old, just finished divinity school. Her name is Hope. When we started, nine months after we lost the twins, nine months later we gave birth to Hope Community Church 27 years ago. So when this lady says to me, my name is Hope, I said, will you do me a favor? Will you walk out into the lobby, and when you see the prettiest lady out there, I want you to go up to her and tell her that I said everything is going to be all right because hope is going into surgery with me. As they wheeled me in, I looked at the doctors, and I said, you're going to be amazing today. God is going to use you today. It's going to be incredible. And I started praying in tongues, and I said to the Lord, if you will give me the presence of mind, I will pray in the Holy Spirit until I go under anesthesia. And if you will help me, when I wake up, the first thing I will do is lift my hands and pray in tongues. At some point in the surgery, the surgeon, the oncologist, walked out of surgery to my wife into a room with my children. Now, he had shown us the MRI. It was a moving image. And he would say, now, you have tumors all in your kidneys, and there's a spot on your lung and one over on your liver. This one is cancerous. This is malignant here. This one's benign. He just showed us everything. He walked out to my wife, left me on the table, walked out to my wife and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but nothing in the surgery looks like it did in the testing, and there's no cancer in his body. Now, Physicians don't know what to do with miracles or mistakes. Both of them can be a real challenge. My wife said, is he awake? He said, I don't know. He's back there. He's got his hands up in the air and he's talking, but I don't understand anything you're saying. I went in the hospital. I had surgery on Thursday, went home on Friday. And my son helped me up on the platform and I spoke in my church about two days later on a Sunday and brought an offering. I've come to tell you this morning, I don't know the name of your diagnosis. I don't know the name of the lying spirit that's trying to convince you that all hope is gone and that you don't have a chance to make it. I want you to hear yourself now. 
making the sound you would make if you received a doctor's report that said everything is fine. How exuberant would you be? How many times? Here's, here's something that frustrates me about myself. Too many times I've allowed the enemy to take me to the deepest place of my being. When God created the depths of me to rule and reign, to live there, to flow in that space. But too many times it's only hell that presses me into the deep place because when it comes to my faith living, I live on the shallow end, superficially going deep only when a crisis presses me into a deep spot. I ask you now, would you be willing, get ready, perhaps it's with an applause. Matter of fact, let's say for 30 seconds, let's give him the sound of an applause. We won't need any instrumentation. Yay, 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 yay. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. Be loosed, oh Holy Spirit. Be loosed, oh Holy Spirit. Be loosed, release the sound, release the sound, release the sound, the vibration of authority, the vibration of his sovereignty, the vibration of his power in your life that shakes off of you every lying spirit, every dying thing. You live, breathe, have your being in the yes of God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. Jehovah Jireh, the God who puts wealth into me. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me into wholeness. Jehovah Shalom, the God who pieces me within, between, among, beyond. He is Savior, Redeemer, multiplier he is the one who orders my steps he is my defender he is my shield he is my strength he is the multiplier in my hands be loosed oh holy spirit we declare the word of god and the word is made flesh within you and shall not return void the word of god is in your belly and shall not return void. And where the word is manifest, where the word becomes flesh, the glory of the Lord is loosed and there is no sickness in the glory. There is no disease in the glory. There is no addiction or bondage in the glory. In the name of Jesus, I command, I command the blessing of God upon your life. That's right, beloved church. That's right. Engage the glory. Engage the glory. I have two minutes. Let me say this, and I'm going to walk off this stage while you make another sound. I don't demand a thing. Because to demand a thing is to insist upon something God has not promised me. I can't demand your car in Jesus' name. He didn't promise it to me. But I command. To command is to insist upon everything God has promised you. 
And so now, by faith, gravitate towards that word. You know he has spoken into you and unto you and allow the vibration of that authority to shake off of you every lying spirit, dying thing and you leave this place with the fullest knowledge that I live, breathe and have my being in the yes of God. You've got two minutes. Go. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised, and I praise you. You are worthy to be praised, and I praise you. I make a sound. I make a sound. I loose the glory of the Lord. The Word is made flesh. The Word is made flesh inside you. Now, I command healing into wholeness I command deliverance into dominion I command blessing into shalom that you leave this place in the oil of the Lord drenched leaving puddles of anointing behind you leaving puddles of healing behind you oh hallelujah let it vibrate let it vibrate let it shake from you. Let it shake the foundational stone of every prison cell that not only are you set free, but nobody around you can ever be bound in that prison cell again. Shake that prison. Shake that lion thing with the sound of deliverance. The sound of deliverance. The sound of deliverance. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!